And I've got good news and I've got bad news. And I'm going to start with the bad news because I want to end with the good news. So I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10. And our focus is going to be on verses 21 through 23. Exodus chapter 10, verses 21 through 23. And while you're getting to that passage of Scripture, let me just set this up for you. The children of Israel had been in Egypt for some 430 years. Now, to put that in perspective for you in terms of time, just understand that the United States of America is only 243 years old. And in those 430 years, the vast majority of the time, not all of it, but the vast majority of that time, they were slaves to the Egyptians. And so finally, they began to cry out to the Lord God and ask God to deliver them. And he being the only true living God is a God who hears and answers prayer. As we know, he heard their cry and he raised up the man Moses. Now Moses was unique in the fact that he was raised uh, in the palace of uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt, only to later discover he wasn't an Egyptian, but he was uh, a Hebrew. And as a Hebrew, he wanted to help his people. And so on one occasion, he took it upon himself, didn't involve God in it at all. And he tried to help, he made a fatal mistake, and he had to leave to the backside of the desert to save his life. Now it's 40 years later and God is calling him out of the backside of the desert to be his man to deliver his people out of Egyptian bondage. So here we have Moses standing before this great Pharaoh of Egypt and he says to him, he says, now Pharaoh, the Lord God of heaven and earth, the Lord God of the people of Israel is saying to you, let my people go. Now you can imagine that didn't go over very well. Pharaoh, as the scripture describes it, was a stiff-necked man. And so basically, can I just put it in terms we would use today? Pharaoh would basically just get out of my face. Now, who is this God you say you worship? We got plenty of gods here in Egypt that we worship. I'm not letting anybody go. And so the end result was that most said, well, look, Pharaoh, I, I hear what you're saying, but you just need to understand that the Lord has said, if you don't let his people go, that he's going to bring plagues upon the land of Egypt. Still, being stiff-necked, being hard-hearted, Pharaoh says, I don't care. I'm not letting anybody go. And so, as many of you know, the Lord brought 10 plagues on the land of Egypt and on the people of Egypt until finally Pharaoh listened to the Lord and let his people go. It is the ninth plague that I want to draw your attention to this morning and is found in Exodus chapter 10 and it is described for us in verses 21 through 22. So let's look at this together and let me just share a few thoughts with you. It says beginning in verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards the sky that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness that may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and there was a thick darkness in all of the land of Egypt for three days. Now notice it wasn't just dark, it was a thick darkness. It was a darkness that you could 
feel. It was like you had something over you. Now, Kathy and I, maybe some of you can uh, relate to that. When we were in seminary, uh, after we'd had finals one, one year, we decided I needed to get away. And so we went spelunking. And for those who don't know what that is, that's just cave exploring. And so we were exploring in this cave. And inside this cave, there was the total absence of light. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of the total absence of light, but it's terrifying. Because you can feel it. You feel like there's a covering over you. You feel like you're almost smothering. And so when we would cut the flashlights out and we'd be in that absolute total darkness, it was frightening. And that's exactly what was happening to the children of Israel here. They were frightened. It was terrifying. There was this darkness that was so thick that they could feel it, that they were smothering in it. And notice that it goes on to say in verse 23, the very first part of verse 23, it says, they, they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. And so you and I thought we were the first ones to experience shelter in place. Wrong. It was the Egyptian. You and I thought, well, maybe this is the first time we've done this social distancing. No, the Egyptians did it for three days in the land of Egypt because they were being smothered, overwhelmed, literally frightened because of the darkness that was on the land. I was drawn to this because of some of the things that was in my heart. Some of the thoughts that I've had, not just over the past eight weeks, as we've tried to navigate our way through this coronavirus invasion, as I call it. But really thoughts that has been in my heart and a burden I've had for really for several decades as what was happening here in America. So I'm just going to state it this way. Here's my conviction. There is a strong delusion. There is a strong darkness that covers the land of the free and the home of the brave. And this darkness comes in many forms. And I, I just thought I would just look at it, first of all, for the present but then even beyond that. And this is why I draw your attention, first of all, to what I'm just going to call strategic darkness. And when I'm talking about this kind of darkness, I'm talking about uh, purposefully misleading, purposefully trying to hide the truth, trying to keep people in the dark. In this present state of everything we're dealing with uh, involving the coronavirus, everything that is involved in it, have you noticed with me there is an incredible confusion across the land? Not just, I mean, even here, everywhere I go, regardless of where you stand in dealing with this virus, and that everybody's at a different place, it seems to be, but people are asking the question, what's really going on here? They're looking and, and listening to this person and this person. And I would tell you something, in my opinion, the experts have really, have, they haven't helped at all. They'll have a news brief and tell us one thing. 
they'll have an interview on CNN or MSNBC or one of the others and they'll say something else and then they have an interview on Fox and there's a different angle there and by the next day they done change their mind. Do I have a witness on that? I mean there is a confusion in the way we want to be safe. We want to be wise. We want to be responsible for ourselves and for everybody else in our lives. And it just seems like they keep changing the goalposts. They keep changing what the rules are or what the guidelines are. And so we get good news today. In 24 hours, you're going to hear the worst news yet. And so this is incredible confusion in the land. And with that has come what I'm going to call a, a spirit of bewilderment. People just, they just don't know, they don't understand. And, and we were just struggling with that. And, and this spirit of bewilderment with all of this confusion is kind of like a gravitational pull we see in the land that is creating this, this tidal wave of unrest. There's a great spirit of unrest in America. Maybe more in other areas than right here uh, in, in South Carolina and right here in God's country, where place, South Carolina. But there's still this spirit of unrest that is taking place. And, and it's because of, of this, what I'm calling strategic darkness. Listen, a lot of it is a result of ignorance. We don't know and other people are talking like they know and they really don't know. But a lot of it is intentional. Some to protect themselves. Others for political advantage. Some for power grab. Some for personal gain, just taking advantage of the whole thing. But there's this incredible volume of misinformation out there that's created this confusion, this the spirit of bewilderment, this, this tidal wave of unrest. And here's the truth. We don't know what, how it's going to end. We don't know what it's going to produce. We don't know what the damage yet is to come as a result of all of this. And so there is this strategic darkness that we're trying to find our way through as followers of Christ, navigate our way through all of this, and we're having to deal with it every single day. But here's what burdens me even more much greater, and that is the spiritual darkness that's behind the strategic darkness. There has been an explosion of wickedness and evil for the last two or three decades that we, we've never really seen. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, this coronavirus issue is just one. Listen to me. It's just one event of a consecutive number of events that seem to have just unlocked the gate, just knocked the top of it. And now there is this explosion of evil. There's this explosion of wickedness. Have you noticed the explosion of hatred that is in our land, the land of the free and the home of the brave? There's a spirit of anger that is just exploding across, like a flood across our land. 
And with that, an explosion of immorality we have never seen before. And we're here as families, so obviously I'm not going to describe that. But there's a spiritual darkness. There's a darkness, a strong delusion over the land of the free and the home of the brave, our country. I thought about these words of Paul. You probably read them many times, but I want to go back to them for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 6. And, and notice what he writes. He's talking about spiritual warfare, but, and we know that's a reality of life. I mean, that started when, really started in heaven. When the Lord had to cast Satan and all the, the angels that followed him out of heaven and then there in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve blowing it. And so ever since then, every day, there is spiritual warfare that is taking place. We, we know that. But, but listen to what he says in verses 12 and then 13. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, he says, but it's against the rulers, it's against the powers, listen to this, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, that phrase, heavenly places, is not talking about heaven. That's talking about the spiritual world that is out there. It is real. So, evil has been with us from the very beginning, wickedness, uh, spiritual warfare, it's there every day. But notice what he says. There's a little phrase he uses in verse 13. It just grabbed my heart. Here's what he said. He said, in verse 13, he wrote, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. Underline that, evil day. He said that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Now, when I see that phrase, evil day, what is fascinating about that phrase is not talking about any day, it's talking about a season of time. When you study history, listen to me, there are seasons in which evil just explodes. There, there's seasons of life where in some countries, maybe in some communities, maybe in some just areas or just families or lives where wickedness just explodes like someone unlocked the gate and just let it all out. Now for me, I believe we're in that season in America. I believe we're in days of evil. And we're beginning to see it just right before our very faces with this strategic darkness and with, especially with this spiritual darkness that is taking place. And so here we are in a nation covered with a strong delusion and a strong darkness that is over us. Now that's the bad news. I'm ready for the good news. So I want you to go back with me to the text we started with, Exodus chapter 10. So here they are. 
all over the land of Egypt, most powerful kingdom on the face of the earth at this time. In this darkness, it's so thick, it's so overwhelming, it's so eerie that they're frozen in place. And here's what it says in full in verse 23. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But (laughs) all the sons of Israel had light in their dwellings. (laughs) Underline that. All the sons of Israel had light in their dwelling. (laughs) What an incredible display of the sovereign authority of God the God of heaven and the God of earth. What an incredible display of his omnipotent power. You remember Pharaoh had told, all, told Moses, said, look, we got many gods here that we worship. There was one that they worshiped above all the other gods, and it was the sun god. Because the sun god in their eyes was the creator of all it is, and he was the source of light. Well, let me tell you something. The true source of light The true God of light shut their light down just like that. And then to put a little icing on the cake, all the dwellings of the sons of Israel had light. He let them know who was the true living God. And here's the word for us. It's the same God. It's the same God of heaven and earth. He is our God. He is our Lord. He is our Savior in the midst of the strategic darkness that has us confused and has our country in such unrest, in the midst of the spiritual darkness that just seems to overwhelm us as we look and can't believe what we see, what we hear, what people are doing in their lives, the the depravity that is there, the darkness that is there. In the midst of that, we still have a relationship with the true God of life. We have the person of light. Look at this in 1 John. Chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and announced to you. That God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. There's no confusion with the Lord. There's no need for a spirit of bewilderment with the Lord. There's no need of unrest. It's just peace, joy, love, the fruit of the Spirit of God. What does he reveal to us? Nothing but absolute truth about everything at all times. There's absolutely no darkness at all in the Lord, and he is our Lord and our Savior and our King. Not only do we have, watch this, do we have the person of light, but we have the pathway of light. Look with me in Psalms 119 and in verse 105. You probably know these words. You might have some of you at my age, you probably grew up learning this in a song. I don't know if they're still teaching it to our children. I hope they are. But you know these words. Here's what the psalmist says. The 
word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'm going to tell you something. I get frustrated with all the strategic darkness going on out there, just like you. And my heart breaks over the spiritual darkness above everything else. And yet, I have no fear. Because I've got light. I have the personal light, but I have the pathway of light. For every step I take, trying to navigate myself through all of this strategic darkness and dealing with all the spiritual darkness around me, I have light for every step I take. That is every decision. I have light for every situation in my life. I have, listen, I can be strategic with the Word of God in the midst of it all because this is a light into my path. It directs me in life. Parents, I just want to share a word with you. A lot of times when we have something like this happen, it doesn't affect our children. A lot of times they don't even know what's going on. But of course, this pandemic has affected them. They said, okay, things have changed dramatically. So now they're asking, what's going on? Parents, listen to me. You have an incredible golden opportunity to take even this. This is how God works. He's so awesome. An opportunity for you to train them on how to walk by the light of the Word of God. Regardless of what else is taking place in this world, regardless of the spiritual darkness, regardless of the strategic, everything that they're facing now will face in their life, you have an opportunity, listen to the Word I'm using, not teach them, but train them. I don't know how many of you heard the message online last week, my Mother's Day message, but I, one of my parts, I was dealing with that proverb where train up a child in the way that he should go and he will not depart with it later in his life. The key word is train, not teach. Teaching is involved in training, but you can teach and not train. It's not just saying do this and do that. It's a, per- listen, it's a personal involvement. A very personal involvement where you do this and you do that. And you show them this and you show them that. And you teach them this and you teach them that and then you show them this and you show them that then you let them do this and you let them do that and then you go back and help them with this and you help them with that. You are training them how to be in the Word of God, how they'll use the Word of God. They'll have a light to their path and a lamp on their feet regardless of what they face in life. Don't let this opportunity pass you. because you might not have an opportunity like this again where you have their attention because their lives were turned upside down. So we have the person of light. We have the path of light. And we have the 
of light. You do understand, I believe you do, but I just want to say it, that light has total dominion over darkness. Light has total dominion over darkness. Darkness is powerless to light. When Kathy and I were in that cave, and we cut our flashlights off, it was tough. I'll be honest with you, it was, it was terrifying. You know, it's one of those times where you're saying, Lord, I will not be foolish enough to do this again. Listen to me. The moment we touched that switch, all that overwhelming, thick, smothering darkness couldn't stop that light at all. Darkness is powerless to light. And we can tap into that power in our personal walk. Let's just be honest. In our lives, sometimes darkness seeps in. It can come in the form of a hurt. It can come in the form of a habit. It can come in the form of a hang-up. It comes. And sometimes it becomes a stronghold. And as followers of Christ, we see these things, we start experiencing these things. We, we want to be, we're like the children of Israel. Lord, deliver us. Listen to me. I want you to listen to this. You do not overcome darkness by engaging darkness. You overcome darkness by embracing light. By embracing light. Why? Because light has dominion over darkness. Darkness is powerless. And so if I've got a stronghold in my life and I want to be delivered, I know it's a a darkness that is in me. I've allowed it to be established. If I have that type of a stronghold, what I want to do is I don't want to engage the darkness. I want to embrace the light. I want to be consistent in my communion with the person of light, which is the Lord God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to be consistent in the pathway of light, in the Word of God, in communion with Him. I want to be consistent in in the living out of my life in the light because when I embrace the light, I will have victory over the darkness. Because light has total dominion. Isn't it interesting? You can't flip a switch and cut darkness on. Darkness is just the absence of light. When you flip that switch and bring light, 
Darkness can't do anything with it. In our personal walk and in our close with this, our personal witness. You know the words, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in Christ, listen carefully, in Christ, we are the light of the world. When people in darkness, what are they looking for? They're looking for light. They're looking for light. How's your light shining? In the midst of all this strategic darkness, have you covered yourself over? In the midst of this spiritual darkness, how's your light shining? We are the answer in Christ. Listen carefully, in Christ, we are the answer to the land of the free and the home of the brave. I I want to challenge you. I want to give you a, a website. Go ahead and put that up for me, will you? Would you write this down? Maybe you can memorize it. Maybe you got your mind functions a little bit better than mine. Blesseveryhome.com. Did you write that down? I've just got, my, got involved in this myself, and I'm looking at it and exploring it on the church level, but right now it's just a personal. You go to this site, and you sign up, and here's what it's going to do for you. Every day you're going to get an email from them. It gives you a list of four or five of your neighbors by name so that you can pray for them by name. You don't have to go over and knock on their door and say, who are you? I want to pray for you. No, it it will send it to you. You will see it on a map where they live in conjunction to where you live. And by name, you can stand in the gap and pray for them. What an incredible time to do that as we quote unquote shelter in place, so to speak. I mean, hey, there's no sports to watch to have a witness on that. Isn't it amazing how quickly God just took away some of our idols? Oops. That just kind of slipped out. You get the picture. It will also give you their address. So eventually you can send them a note. They say, hey, you don't know me. I'm your neighbor. Or maybe they do know you. Just want you to know, I'm just standing in the gap praying for you. Love you. If you need anything, need anything, let us know. We'll be glad to to minister to you, help you in any way we can. And hopefully then through the process, you'll discover who your neighbors are. And maybe you get to invite them to church.
share the gospel with it. It's called being the light because there's the power of light. So brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of the bad news, there's a much greater news. The very power of God is in us and we will have victory through him in the midst of all that we're struggling with right now. Accept this challenge. And Lord God, as we come, we thank you for this word. Even though we have to recognize the bad news, we rejoice because of the good news, the great news, that regardless of all the darkness around us, your light still shines in our hearts and in our lives and in our relationships, in our personal walk and in our personal witness. So Lord, may your hand of favor be upon everybody that was here today. Thank you, Lord, for blessing my heart with them. I pray that it's been a blessing to them. We look to you for wisdom and discernment in the days ahead. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.